My name's Rob Howes. This is the SLAS Discovery Podcast. For this episode, I'm joined by Martin Main from the Medicines Discovery Catapult in the UK and Andrew Zhang from AstraZeneca in Boston, who are co-editing an upcoming special issue of SLAS Discovery on advances in cellular target engagement and target deconvolution. Martin and Andrew, could you just introduce yourselves to our audience? Thanks, Rob. So, yes, my name is Martin Main. I work for the Medicines Discovery Catapult in the UK, uh, which is a not-for-profit organisation established to support medicines discovery uh, through collaboration with a range of different partners in the UK. Uh, my background initially, I'm an electrophysiologist by training, did lots of work on iron channel projects. Uh, and then as I've been through my career, I've worked in various reagent and assay development groups in GSK and AstraZeneca most recently. Thank you, Rob. Uh, my name is Andrew Zhang. Uh, as Rob mentioned, I am uh, based in AstraZeneca in Boston. And by training, I am a synthetic chemist, um, really working at the interface between chemistry and biology. And uh, right now, I am in the chemical biology department here at AstraZeneca, and I'm leading a team uh, using proteomics methods to profile the selectivity and mechanism of our small molecule protein degraders. That's great. Thanks, both. So it's an exciting special issue you've got coming up on advances in cellular target engagement and target deconvolution. Can you walk us through the abstracts? Sure. Uh, maybe I can start. Uh, so, so like you said, uh, Rob, we have a really, really exciting uh, special issue around the cellular target engagement. And you know, one, one part of this issue is really uh, focused around kind of nanobread and luciferase-based uh, technology, and particularly uh, around new applications of the nanobread technology, you know, variations, uh, as well as the applications to uh, various disease-relevant uh, targets and, uh, and biology. So I can start by walking through some of the uh, nanobread-based uh, and the luciferase-based abstracts. So the, the first abstract I want to talk about is uh, by Jin and colleagues. And here, the researchers developed a nanobread assay focused around the sick kinases, right? And in this case, the challenge is really uh, using nanobread to distinguish between select the selectivity between the different isoforms. And the authors were able to establish a competition assay to be able to distinguish these uh, sick, so basically sick isoform selective molecules. The next abstract around this topic uh, is by own and coworkers. Uh, this, this is uh, using nanobread uh, displacement assay to study the butin tyrosine kinase, so BTKs. And here, uh, what I want to highlight is that you know, the, the researchers went really beyond just using um, nanobread to measure IC50, so they also used nanobread to look at um, the kinetics of uh, the target and target occupancy. So understanding questions such as you know, drug target residence time and, you know, running the assay in kinetics mode. The next abstract around this topic is by Philippou and coworkers. And here, they used the nanobret uh, technology to develop an assay for the BET bromodomain protein. So, so this is now going into the epigenetics uh, area, which is, uh, as you probably know, a very much, very much an up-and-coming area in cancer as well as inflammatory diseases. And here, uh, the, the researchers used 
to nanobread technology uh, to really understand the compound target engagement, but also understand kind of some of the mechanistic um, effects of the target engagement by also going further and looking at the target histone interactions. Next is uh, an abstract on uh, using a variation of the nanobrick technology called the nanobit technology. And here the, the idea is that you know the the nano loop is essentially divided into two parts, right? And really that you will only get a signal when both of both parts are you know are bound together. And in this case, this is this this is particularly useful when you're looking at essentially. Um, you, you want to look at issues such as you know, uh, compartmentalization, you know, potentially even uh, protein degradation. And the, the application here is in the internalization of a G-protein coupled receptor. So, uh, using the nano nano bit, uh, the nano bit technology to understand the internalization process. And then, well, last but not least, in this in this set of abstracts around the, the luciferase-based technology is um, the work by Siddiqui and coworkers. Uh, by by studying the uh, interactions between HSP90 and CDC37, and particularly looking for inhibitors of this protein-protein interaction, and here by uh, using a split luciferase system, uh, depending on where you know essentially where the luciferase is placed, right? The researchers were able to actually identify um, inhibitors that actually bound to certain parts of the uh, of, of the interface. So, so so in this case, looking at um, allosteric inhibitors instead of the ATP competitive inhibitors, which may have uh, toxicity issues. So uh, I'm going to hand it off to uh, Martin now to describe the next set of abstracts. Thank you, Andrew. So, so the next set of abstracts, we have three papers in the special issue focusing on a technology called SETSA. Um, so for those of you that are not familiar with the technology, SETSA stands for the Cellular Thermal Shift Assay. And this uses the established thermodynamic principle of ligand-induced stabilization. So when a compound binds to a target protein, it induces a an additional thermal stability on the protein. So in a key publication in 2013, the, the SETSA method was introduced and it was demonstrated that this type of a thermostability assay could also be run in cells and in lysates um, from cells treated with compound. So as I said, we've got three papers in this special issue. Uh, the first paper is a really comprehensive analysis by Seashore Ludlow and colleagues, uh, where the authors have looked through around 270 peer-reviewed sets of publications to date and had a really in-depth look about experimental design and format and critically how the choice of experimental protocol can, can influence the outcome of the study. So I think this is really a really timely article to take stock of, of the technology and how it's being used in the field. Uh, towards the end of the article, the authors also provide a perspective on future opportunities and directions, and I think there's still really interesting avenues to be explored with the method. One interesting observation in the analysis by Seashore Ludlow and colleagues is that around 85% of the publications to date have used Western blot as the primary endpoint. Uh, and while this has driven really valuable data, uh, I think it's also widely known that this is a not a high throughput assay and also sample requirements can sometimes be a challenge if you've got um, quite a rare or expensive cell type. So in this special issue, we have a, uh, an article from Herdalan and colleagues, and they describe a new method which they call Setzer Acoustic Reverse Phase Protein Array uh, that I think has the potential to address some of these challenges. So what these authors do is they use 
nanoacoustic transfer of soluble protein samples onto a nitrocellulose membrane. Uh, and then they probe this membrane uh, with the antibodies uh, to give an antibody-based fluorescent readout. The third paper uh, using SETSA is by Henderson and colleagues, uh, and they provide analysis of, of different methods that can be used for high-throughput SETSA assays. Uh, and these methods use conventional plate-based assay readouts to detect the soluble folded form of the protein. And this allows you application in, in higher throughput settings, for example, to look at hits following a high throughput screen uh, or to, to drive structure activity relationship potentially. So there are the three sets of papers. Um, we then move on to a, a slightly different set of arc articles. And these are really focused on situations where it's not clear um, what target the compound binds to, and the, the experimenter would really want to deconvolute this mechanism of action. Um, we have a number of articles in this space. So in the Seashore Ludlow uh, article, we do reference a form of SETSA called SETSA MASPEC, uh, also referred to as thermal proteome profiling, which can be used in this way. But then we have two special issue articles looking at different technologies. We have an article by Freeth and Soden uh, describing an array-based target deconvolution method, which has been established for a number of years to analyze binding to membrane proteins. In brief, the way this method works is that cells are transfected with an array of cDNAs encoding a membrane protein library. Um, these cells are then panned with, a, with an antibody or a lead molecule, um, and then binding is detected to, to key membrane protein targets. The real focus of the article in our special issue is actually to extend this technology in two ways. So first of all, the authors uh, report a method where they've expressed a library of secreted proteins in the same way that they did for membrane proteins, um, but they've added tethers to these secreted proteins. So they're tethered onto the cells, uh, and then you can then pan the compounds or antibodies in a similar way to the membrane protein method. The second method they describe is, is a method to, or approach to uncover receptor-receptor interactions. And in this case, they use whole cell baits expressing a receptor of interest and look at interactions between the cells on their slide and these bait cells. We then move on to a slightly different aspect. So looking, thinking about target deconvolution and understanding the mechanism of, of compounds which, where you don't know the target, a really key element is the use of chemical probes where you can label subsets of proteins in cells uh, and then analyze this subset of proteins. So we have an article by Song and Zeng, where they describe the development of biophagnal reporters for detecting and profiling protein acetylation and acylation. And the authors describe a method where acetyl or acyl groups can be derivatized with reactive handles, and these handles can then be functionalized with reporter groups, such as a fluorophore to enable imaging, or for example, biotin to allow enrichment of that sample and mass spec analysis. The final article of the special issue uh, looks at a slightly different aspect. So while all the other articles in the special issue look at isolated cells, largely grown in two dimensions in, in tissue culture conditions, the final article actually goes in vivo, where the, where the situation is far more complex. So when we look in vivo, we need to understand the biodistribution of a compound. Does it reach its tissue uh, that you're targeting? Uh, and then also look downstream at the effects in that cell, in that cell type. So in the final article, Maynard and Hart uh, provide a perspective on the use of in vivo and ex vivo imaging to measure target engagement. So in vivo, it's possible to, to label up compounds, for example, with a radio label in PET imaging 
or fluorescent label with fluorescent imaging, and then look at biodistribution in an animal model. Um, the second part of the, of the article um, talks about mass spec imaging. So tissues from an in vivo study can be removed and mass spec imaging can be looked uh, to measure drug distribution in a tissue. The advantage of mass spec imaging is there's no requirement to, to label the compound in any way. And in addition, compound metabolites can be measured and also downstream cellular effects in the tissue. So that's the end of a quick walk through the abstracts and I'll hand back over to Rob. Great. Thanks, Martin. Thanks, Andrew. So why did you choose to focus this special issue on cellular target engagement and target deconvolution? Maybe, Martin, you could start. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Rob. Um, I think maybe starting off with the, the kind of bigger picture question, if you like. So looking at attrition of drug projects in the clinic, I, I believe today that recent analysis suggested that um, um, failure due to efficacy is now the biggest cause of failure in the clinic. And also further interrogation of this data has suggested that projects that have clear evidence of engagement between a drug and its protein target um, have a much greater chance of success. So working back through the drug discovery process, I think the assays to demonstrate binding of compounds to purified protein are really well established and applied in, in most drug discovery projects now. So an example would be structural and biophysical methods. However, Andrew and I felt that um, target engagement assays in a cellular context um, were really still in the development phase with some really exciting technologies and methods being developed, but still very much developing in the last few years. And the advantage of looking in cells is it brings in several other elements, for example, analysis of whether the compound crosses the cell membrane, uh, whether it binds to target protein when it's in its, its natural location in the cell or in its natural protein complex, and builds this extra level of confidence that your compound will bind to the target in a physiological situation. So for me, that was the real driver for this. Um, personally, I've worked on drug discovery projects where this this was a really key question, demonstrating this translation from a, a biochemical drug target event, target event into cells. And um, that was the inspiration, really. Right. And I, I will just add a little bit to, uh, to Martin's comments. You know, I think uh, Martin is absolutely right about the uh, importance of cellular drug target engagement. And I think another uh, kind of motivation for us is, is that, you know, even though we understand the importance of this method, you know, if you go out and, you know, to, to look at people who are uh, engaged in drug discovery, sometimes this is, this is something that people sometimes take for granted that, you know, of course, if you have a biochemical potency, you know, of course, it'll, you know, it'll, it'll work in cells and then you know, you're going to get your phenotypic response. But I think this is something, you know, the cellular target engagement is something that, really has a lot of um, really interesting science behind it. And, you know, some of the parameters that can be derived from the cellular target engagement studies are really critical for bridging uh, this gap between the biochemical target engagement as well as phenotypic response. And in many cases, I think as Martin alluded to, it can explain some of the discrepancies you see between, between these two types of readouts. And that'll, that'll give you more insights around whether or not your target is a valid target for this particular disease. Great, thanks. Um, I'll start with Andrew for the next question. Mm -hmm. So in your opinion, what are the main challenges in this area? Yeah, I think a couple of challenges here. One is really understanding 
um, of the mechanism, you know, of the you know, of the chemical and you know physical properties that's going on behind your readout, right? And that could be that could be an example of SETSA, right? You know, in 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 this issue, uh, one of the articles around the SETSA assay really goes into some of the misconceptions people have about this technology. And as a result of these misconceptions, you know, potentially misusing this technology and drawing the wrong conclusions. So I think one of the challenges definitely, you know, being able to better understand, you know, especially some of these newer, uh, the newer methods, and then of course the mechanistic, uh, the biophysical mechanistic uh, parameters behind these readouts. You know, another challenge uh, and well, opportunity that I see is really around developing these uh, these types of assays into really high throughput, uh, high throughput methods to try to uh, incorporate them better into the drug discovery process, potentially even into um, in the hit ID campaigns. And I think this is another issue that's been addressed in in many of these abstracts: is how how to best use. Um, how did that best use potentially the um, luciferase based assay into into the drug discovery uh, pipeline, right? In terms of what questions you want to answer, and also you know around uh, methods such as SETSA, you know how can you develop those into higher throughput methods as well? Yeah, just like to, to build on a couple of Andrew's points, really. So I'd agree with everything Andrew says, but in terms of the throughput, uh, I would highlight. One additional challenge, I think, for SETSA, in that um, although it, we can get these fantastically rich data sets, I think there are some technical challenges potentially in the future. So um, many of these SETSA assays are based on antibody detection, whereas I think as we move into more and more novel target space, it may well be that antibodies aren't widely available or high quality antibodies. So I think I think that may become a challenge. Uh, equally, I think while the mass spec SETSA method is is a really exciting platform. It's a, these are very large elaborate experiments at the moment. Uh, they have the advantage of being label free and not using antibodies, but you know, potentially very large pieces of work. So, so I do feel there's an opportunity between those technologies for, for higher throughput methods that don't require an antibody. So um, I would highlight that as a, you know, an opportunity or a challenge for the future. Um, second challenge from my perspective is around Target deconvolution. So I think we describe a number of methods in the special issue for target deconvolution. But I think um, I think it's generally accepted that this this can be quite an extensive piece of work to go from a compound um, which gives you a phenotypic effect with an unknown mechanism to work through a, a candidate list of targets and to really lock down on what the target protein is. So I think both really exciting areas, but still opportunity to, to further develop. Great, thank you. So final question, can you describe to our listeners what you think the future holds in this area? Maybe I can go first on that one. So I think one area I'm I'm really excited about is to see see how far these methods or new methods can be pushed into the into the ex vivo situation, looking at um, animal tissues or even into the clinical situation. And I think you know there are some interesting data sets out there now. Um, for example, starting to push sets into analysing tissues from an, at the end of an in vivo study, or even to look at uh, target engagement in, in blood cells. Um, I think classically these type of experiments are done using um, looking at pathway stimulation um, with different methods from clinical samples. But if we can get closer to the to the drug target binding event, 
um, I think that could be really compelling. Yeah, and uh, maybe just to build a little bit on uh, Martin's point, I mean, I think Martin is absolutely right, and I completely agree, uh, particularly uh, with the with the sentiment around pushing these technologies really as far as, as they can go, um, looking at disease-relevant input materials, right, to, in order to basically give you some better better context of the numbers that you're that, that you're giving out. Um, uh, another another comment that I want to make, also along similar lines, is you know really with a lot of these technologies, right? You know, a lot of times the readout is essentially like an IC50, right, or an EC50. You know, I think going forward, we we really want to be going beyond you know IC50. You know, potentially looking at um, more potentially kinetic parameters, right? Looking at target occupancy. Um, and also looking at some of the downstream pathway effects as a result of the IC50s that you're getting. So again, this is really saying, okay, well, what other, what more information can we get out of these target cellular target engagement studies besides really it's just an IC50 that you know may or may not match up with what you're getting, uh, you know, typically or biochemically. That's great. Thank you. Uh, so, yeah, thanks for sharing some more information on the special issue. So when's this special issue going to be published? My understanding is this special issue will be rolled out at the upcoming SLAS meeting in San Diego. And officially, uh, my understanding is that this will be published in February, so in a month. All right. Good. I think that's all the questions I had. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, uh, Rob, for hosting this uh, this podcast. Hey, it's good. To be honest, it's about time the three of us caught up. <laughs> <laughs> now we'll be captured forever. It's true. Yeah.